Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. Well, this morning, uh, appropriately, the title of this morning's message is uh, Worship, the Christian Life. We're going to talk about what worship is. Um, There's a lot of misconceptions of worship. I remember uh, as a young believer myself, uh, I would always, I would really, I don't think I came late, but I really wanted to come late all the time because I didn't really care about the worship. I just wanted to hear uh, the pastor preach. I really enjoyed hearing him teach. He was a, a great teacher. And I was like, man, I wish I could like skip the music part because I just wanted to get into the Word of God. And, and it really showed a, an, a misunderstanding on my part what worship is. Um, not only that, I, I, another example I have of misunderstanding worship, a while back uh, I was talking to a coworker and he was talking about church and he was, he's not a believer. Maybe he is now, but at the time he wasn't. Uh, and he was saying, you know, he likes to go to church, but I don't really like the worship because I have my own music that I like to listen to. So he, he looked at worship, and my understanding is like a form of entertainment, like something that he could, you know, would entertain him while he was there. And so he had his own music for that. He didn't really want to take part of worship. And so he had, unfortunately, a misunderstanding of worship as well. And by the way, let me back up for a minute. When we say worship, I'm using the term worship in the sense of how we express ourselves in song and singing in instruments, because the word worship actually means to bow down or to prostrate oneself in reverence or in adoration to somebody else. You know, in one of the songs that we sung, it talked about bowing down. That's worship. So you're, you're giving yourself in front of somebody, submitting to them and and recognizing that they deserve worship. And when I say worship in this context this morning, what I'm really talking about is praising God, about singing songs. I think one of the, a a good example of of this can be found in the book of Revelation. Before we get into our text, I want to read this to you because it illustrates this point of bowing down and singing. In Revelation chapter 5, you have this beautiful picture after Jesus was given the scroll to open uh, in Revelation 5 uh, verses 8 through 10. Look at what the Apostle John writes. He says this, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, what did they do? They fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So you have this beautiful picture of these uh, uh, elders and the four living creatures that are described in Revelation bowing down before Jesus. And look at what they do. And they sang a new song. They worshiped, saying, Worthy are you to take the book, to break its seals, For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So again, I read that again to give you the picture of worship. 
bowing down and praising uh, the Lord here. And that's what I'm talking about when I say worship. Uh, and so this morning as we go through the te- uh, this text in a moment, we're going to look at three aspects of worship, similar to what I did last week. And though you can write these questions down. They're going to come up and then we're going to go through them. We're going to talk about what is worship? What is worship? Number two, how should we worship? And number three, what are the results of worship? What are the results of worship? So um, when you think about what worship is before we get into text, as I mentioned, I looked at it incorrectly. The friend of mine looked at it incorrectly. And maybe some of you might understand it incorrectly as well or may have at one time. You know, some people look at worship as it kind of gets us warmed up, you know, ready for the preaching of God's Word. Or maybe, uh, you know, hey, it's a signal that church is going to be starting, so I better get into church, right? That's what it's for. It's kind of like the two-minute warning, you know, we're starting to worship. Um, Or maybe it kind of, well, it kind of gets me in the mood, kind of gets me in the church feeling of understanding of uh, it's time to worship God. But that's... That's really not what it is. That's not what it is at all, as we'll see in a moment. Um, So, with that said, why don't we turn to Psalm 150? Because that's where we're going to get our... We're going to look at this. And as I've said before, uh, in this series that we're going through, these are not exhaustive studies on the topic in no no way, so they're not the the end-all and be-all. These are just things that I see in, in Scripture and, and hope God will use uh, to stimulate your growth as a believer or your desire to grow. And so, like I said, we're going to look at what worship is, right, and how should we worship. And, and you think about how should we worship. Is it, uh, do we, and maybe you come from some of these backgrounds in churches where we just sing hymns. That, that's what we're supposed to do. Or we just sing from the book of Psalms. You know, we, we pick a psalm and we sing it. I've been a part of a Bible study where that's what we did. And I was a new believer. And it's like, well, this is kind of weird because nothing rhymes. So we're kind of singing the psalms. It was a little, a little different, you know. Are you supposed to sing a cappella, meaning no instruments? There are churches that believe that. They're just supposed to be voices. And some people believe, well, you can't have drums. You can't have a guitar. You, know, you can't have a piano. All sorts of things. Well, what does Scripture say about that? And again, We are going to look at that. So let's read Psalm 150, uh, and then we'll come back, and again, we'll address these three questions that I said at the very beginning. It's a very short psalm, and it says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise God in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think from the very beginning, you, you kind of get a sense of what this guy wants you to do. Praise the Lord, right? If you were in English class, what is the subject of this psalm? 
praising the Lord. And so this is what the psalmist is explaining what worship is, praising the Lord. And as you see in verses 1 through 6, it's evident that what he's meaning is to praise with your voices. That should be evident from the context. He's wanting you to verbally praise the Lord. So that's the first point. How do we, or how should we worship the Lord? Oh, I've skipped a whole bunch of stuff. Sorry, let me back up. What is worship? <laughs> let me back up. It's singing to God. That's my point. It's singing to God. In verses 1 through 6, every verse instructs us to praise God. We're to sing to God. And we do it with an accompaniment of instruments and with a bunch of joy. And we'll talk about that in our moment, in a moment. So what is worship? We're using our voices, but the number one thing is he's singing to God. Look at every verse. It says, praise the Lord, praise God, praise him, 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 praise the Lord. The focus of worship, and this needs to be important, is singing to God. We are not singing to the worship team, and the worship team is not singing to us. And we are not singing for our enjoyment, which, by the way, is a benefit if you're truly worshiping. But we are singing to God. Our entire focus during worship should be about, I'm singing to the Lord. I picture this for myself as I'm standing in the presence of God, which we literally are, and I'm standing before Him and I am singing to God. I really try to block out everything else so I don't get distracted because I'm easily distracted. And that's one of the reasons why I sit up front. It's because, you know, no offense, but I don't want to see you guys when I'm worshiping the Lord. I might you know, be, oh, look at that. What's that? What's going on over there? I want to be up front and I just want to look, you know, try not even to look at Aaron. Just look beyond Aaron and worship the Lord because I want to focus on God. And I really try to do that. And I really liked uh, our old church where it was dark because that helped me too. I know some people didn't like the darkness and I apologize, but I don't know if that was my original intent, but it helped to like just, it's just me and the Lord. I'm just singing to the Lord. And so that should be remembered when we're worshiping. We are singing to God. That's point number one. What is worship? It's singing to God. And again, you see that very evident in verses one through six. What else is worship? Worship is not only singing to God, but what are we singing about? There's two things that I think we should focus on in worship. The first one is this, who God is. We are singing about who God is. Right? In our worship songs this morning, a lot of it was focused on who God was, you know, how awesome He was or is. Verse 2 in our text this morning says, Praise Him. Why? For his mighty deeds. Praise him in the second half for his excellent greatness. And that's my point. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. The psalmist is saying he's praising God because how great God is. He's bringing glory and honor to God because God is worthy to be praised. That's what Psalm 145.3 says. It says, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised and His greatness is unsearchable. So again, worship is singing to God, but it's singing to God about who He is and how great He is. Another part about what we sing about when we're singing is that we're singing about God's works. 
That's what verse 2 again says when it says, Praise Him for what? For His mighty deeds, the things that God has done. That's worship. We're praising God for what He has done. We're praising God for what He is doing. And we're praising God for what He is going to do. That's what worship is. It is singing to God. It is singing about what God has done for us. And it is singing about God's greatness. That's what worship is. Anything outside of that can be nice, but I, I really don't believe that's worship. Again, the whole focus of worship is God. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, verses, again, 1 through 6, as I jump the gun on uh, giving out the answer, it's with our voices, right? Number one, how should we worship? We worship God with our voices. Again, that's why the psalmist says, praise Him, praise God, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. He's understanding that you're going to be singing it out, saying it out loud. We do it with our voices. Again, the, the entire psalm of 150 is written uh, with the intent of verbal praise. And if you look back at the psalm before that, in Psalm 149, verse 1, it says, Sing to the Lord a new song. And praise and his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. Again, a new song means that you're singing with words. You're actually praising God with your voice. So that's point number one in how we worship according to this psalm is with our voices. And the second one is that we should praise God or we should worship God with instruments. It's okay to have instruments in the church. If you look at verses two, uh, excuse me, three through five, that's all that he talks about. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals and praise him with resounding cymbals. It's pretty clear the psalmist says, let's have some music in praising God. And so we use our instruments in an effort to aid us in worship. Again, instruments should be used to praise God, and they help us sing to God. They help us keep rhythm and on focus to God. right? And, and those of you that are playing instruments in the church, or if you play instruments at all for any worship team, you should know that you are playing your instruments with the purpose of praising God. right? You're not play, I hope you're not playing your instruments to say, hey, look at me, look how good I am on my instrument, you know. I mean, we like good um, musicians, but they're not the focal point of the worship, and they should never be. They're there to aid us and help the church magnify and glorify God. We're not magnifying and glorifying the worship team. We're magnifying and glorifying God. Again, right? And the instruments draw attention to the worship of God. And they even enhance, right? They give us emotion as, as they're going through the, uh, the instruments and they're playing. It brings emotion to the song. It even brings emotion to our hearts, right? Doesn't it stir your emotion as the music is playing and ramping up and preparing us to worship God? I know it does for me. Therefore, we should blow our trumpets. Now, we need a trumpet player at church. I think Pastor John said he, was, he had a trumpet back in the day. 
we we'll have to get him up here to blow his trumpet. <laughs> I don't know if we do harps and lyres anymore, or timbrels or tambourines. We'll talk about dancing in a moment. But the point is, hey, whatever you have, man, bang that thing. Look at he said, loud cymbals. We want it loud in here because we're celebrating and worshiping God. It says resounding cymbals. Over and over again, as you read Scripture, and, you, and you re- I learned so much about worship this week, just the way ancient Israel worshiped was so awesome. And, and we're going to touch a little bit about it, but read Second uh, Chronicles chapter 5 when you have a chance. Especially those of you on our worship team, I would encourage you to read Second Chronicles chapter 5. Just a really great uh, section on worship and reverence. And we're going to talk a little bit about it, uh, but I probably won't do it justice. So use our instruments. So how do we worship? We sing with our voices, with our instruments. And verse 4 says, dancing, which I take for joyfulness. We should worship with joyfulness. Every time dancing is mentioned in worship, it's in response to them being joyful, right? Think of the times that you dance, or if you do. <laughs> like you do a happy dance when you get lunch, right? When you... When you're excited, yeah, I'm going to get this, and you do a little dance, you're happy, right? Or like in football, when they score a touchdown, they're dancing in the end zone. It's joyfulness. That's what, the, that's what it's saying here. Dance for the Lord because you're joyful. It's an expression of being joyful. Now, I'm not saying you have to dance in church, but I mean, if Izzy pretty much gave you the okay to do it, I think he was saying, you guys need to dance. I think that's what Izzy was telling. I want to see someone dance for the Lord. You know, we need to take a lesson from our charismatic brothers and sisters about being excited for the Lord. There was a pastor, uh, he's with the Lord now, his name is R.C. Sproul, and he would always, uh, I think he made fun of his church, I think they're Presbyterian, he would call them the the chosen frozen, or the frozen chosen, you know, because they're reverently worshiping God, and there's no movement, which is, I'm not criticizing that at all, Don't, don't take it, but... His point was that he wanted to see some joy from his congregation. It's okay to express joy before the Lord. It's okay. Let yourself go a little bit. And Izzy was saying that about, you know, raise whatever it is to you to let yourself go. And I know some people are naturally reserved, and that's totally great. I'm not asking you to, like, get your tambourine out and start running around the room. That's not what we want. Right, that's drawing attention away from worship, and you might be interrupting somebody. So I'm not giving you guys permission to do that. But it's okay to show joy. That's the main point. Be joyful when you're worshiping the Lord. You're worshiping God because He's great and for all that He has done. And it's okay. you should be joyful for it. If you understand what worship is, you're praising God for all that He has done for you. There should be some joyfulness. In Exodus 15, 20 and 21, this was after uh, the, uh, the Egyptians and Pharaoh's army had been killed uh, in the Red Sea. And Moses had sung this song of worship. It said that Miriam and some of the women, they took their timbrels and they went out and danced and praised the Lord for what he had done. And if you remember King David in 2 Samuel 6.14, as the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back to Jerusalem, it's that he was dancing with all his might before the Lord. It's because he was joyful. He was excited that the ark had come back. 
And if you just look at verse uh, Psalm 149, looking at verses 2 and 3, here is an ex- this exemplifies dancing as an expression of joy. And it says this, Let Israel be glad of his Maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their King. Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and lyre. Again, it's just an expression of joy in dancing, just excitement. That's what worship is. We should be joyful in our worship. And again, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, raise your hands or, or whatever you do. It doesn't mean you have to bow down on the floor and you have to dance and sway your hips or whatever it is. Just be joyful in your heart when you sing to the Lord. And again, I know some, some people aren't naturally, you know, extroverted. They're not going to do that stuff. I mean, if you try to get them to raise their hands, they're like, gonna, like, not gonna let, that's not gonna work for them. That's not them. And they don't express joy that way. And that's okay. Just the, the great, the more important thing is it's from your heart. There's joyfulness in your heart. You say, Robert, man, you should see inside my heart. My hands are raised so high and I'm dancing all over the place. I'm joyful to the Lord. But even with that said, because you know what? You could be raising your hands the highest and singing the loudest and dancing all over the place, but your heart is not right with the Lord. And God doesn't honor that. And that's why the next point is, how should we worship? It's with a pure heart. If you turn with me to the prophet Amos, here's probably the greatest, one of the greatest condemnations that I know of God rejecting worship. And as I said, you could be raising your hands the highest and bowing down as close to the ground as you can get, singing the loudest. But if you're not right with God, if your heart's not pure, this is what God would say to you. And I, and I issue this as a warning to each and every person here this morning and those who are listening. If you are coming to church and you're not right with the Lord, I mean, you're not His son or daughter, and you think by worshiping God that makes you right with Him, this is what He would say to you. Amos 5 verse 21 says this, I hate and I reject your festivals. I do not delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will not even look at the peace of the offerings of your fatlings. And look at what he says here. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So God is saying, you're in here this morning, or he could be saying, and you're worshiping me, you're singing to me, you're playing instruments for me, but you're not right with me. I reject that. I hate it, and it's noise to me. It does not bless me. When we worship God, we should come in with a pure heart, meaning we're forgiven of His of our sins. We're right with God, and therefore we have every right to stand before God and worship Him because what He has done for us. But if you come in here not knowing God as your Lord and Savior, and offering up sacrifices of worship to Him, this is again a warning to you. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. 
The harps aren't even music anymore. It's just sound, and it's just noise, your songs. It's a stern warning to us this morning and to those who are listening who think that by worshiping God, they're right with God. God would give you that stern warning. So again, how should we worship God with our voices, with our instruments, with joyfulness, with pure hearts, and, and finally and lastly, with reverence, with reverence. Turn with me to Second Chronicles. This is the one I uh, kind of encourage the worship team to read on their own. But Second Chronicles chapter 5, starting in verse 11, here's some great examples of reverence when we worship. So what I mean by that, as you'll see, is you don't just flippantly worship God you know, like, you do, like it doesn't mean anything. Look at the meaning, the men and women who stand before God's uh, temple and the throne worship Him in Second Chronicles 5, 11 through 14. So what's happening here is Solomon has built the temple and now they're moving the ark into the temple of God and they're going to be prepared for the first time to worship God in the new temple And as you know, the ark is symbolic of God's presence being put into the temple. Look at what it says. It says, When the priests came forth from the holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without regard to divisions. And all the Levitical singers, so there's a host of singers, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, and their sons and the kinsmen clothed in fine linens with cymbals, harps, and lyres, standing east of the altar, and with them 120 priests blew trumpets, in unison with the trumpeteers and the singers were making themselves heard with one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices, accompanied by the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, And when they praised the Lord, saying, He indeed is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Look what happens. Then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with with the cloud, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So you have here men and women who were leading the entire nation in worship, who had sanctified themselves, I mean, they set themselves apart for this one task. And if you read back in the book of Leviticus, and you'll see that there was a tribe specifically designed as, a, you guys are going to sing to God. That is your uh, way to serve God, is singing to God. And there were others who were going to play instruments. And it's like, this is your service to God. They were sanctified and set apart for that. And then it says they were dressed in fine linens, so we're going to get our worship team some fine linens, right? We're going to have you looking sharp. No, just kidding. But the point is they were like, hey, this is for God. I'm going to look good for God. I'm going to do my best for God because we're leading the congregation in worship of God. And then in response, God fills his temple with his presence. And it was, as you, at the end, it says it was so, the cloud was so thick that the people couldn't even minister there anymore. Because God's glory was just overwhelming. It's like when prophets would stand before God and and they couldn't speak. They were just undone before the Lord. That's reverence. 
And so when we come in to worship the Lord, we need to have reverence. And, and what I mean by that is recognize, you know what? This is, this is God's time right now, worship. It's not time to you know, be like, well, I, you know, I wonder how many songs they're going to do and hope they're done soon. That's not worship. You know, I'm, this is your opportunity, church, to worship the living God of the universe. This is a special time. Again, it's not the warm-up to the sermon. It's not the warning call that church is going to start in a few minutes. It's like the Lord's going to fill this place with His presence because His people are singing to Him. And I want us to think of that when we worship. It is a privilege and honor to worship. And those of you on the worship team, it is a privilege and honor to lead God's congregation. Worship. We should have reverence when we're worshiping the Lord. It's not music just like our other music that we listen to outside of church. It is special because you're singing to God. You're glorifying God with it. So what happens as a result of this, as we see here in 2 Chronicles, the church or the temple is filled with God's presence. What about us? What happens to us as we worship? Well, let me point out just five things here this morning. Like I said, this is not exhaustive at all. But some of the things that can happen is that we, number one, we delight in God. We delight in God. In Psalm 84, I want to give an example of this. In Psalm 84, we'll look at a few verses here. Here's the, the psalmist showing us how he delights in the Lord. He says this, How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord, and my heart and my flesh sing for joy, there's that joy, to the living God. Drop down to verse 4. How blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising. And then look at verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside, I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Can you hear some of the worship songs that we sing that are related to this chapter? The psalmist is saying, man, when I go to sing in the Lord, I get joyful, I delight. I get this sense of happiness in my heart when I get to go and sing for the Lord. That was totally opposite of my understanding of worship. Remember, I said I wanted to skip worship. I just wanted to get into the Word of God. Again, I didn't understand the delight it is to worship God. And I know many of you experience that when you get to worship God, especially together with the saints, it's just a delight and it's joyful. But there's also another side of this, and that's my second point, is that God delights in us as we sing. In the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 17, there's a description of the, the saints of Israel worshiping God. And this is what Zephaniah says. He says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy, and he will be quiet in his love, and he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. God is delighting in us. As we delight in him, he delights in us. It brings comfort and joy and happiness to God as we worship together. Another result, and these two really go together, and I'm going to speak to them, I'm going to speak about them together, 
is this will be point three and four, is that God ministers to us and we minister to each other during worship. God ministers to us and we minister to each other. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul writes this, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Look at this with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, as we sing, God is ministering to us. If, if the words that are chosen in our worship songs are singing about God, are singing about how great He is, and singing about His works, then that minister to, ministers to us, doesn't it? As you guys are singing, or as we're singing about God, and we're singing about how great God is and what He has done and what He promises to do, the reminders to us and they minister to us about who God is and what He's done. It brings comfort to us. God ministers to us through the worship song itself, especially when the gospel is proclaimed in the worship song. Not only does it encourage us and it comforts us, sometimes it even convicts us, right? I don't know about you, but that song that we sung earlier about my heart is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I'm like, oh, gosh, that's me. I'm prone to wander from the Lord sometimes. It's convicting. It, and it always gets me. I'm like, yep, that's so true, right? I mean, I'm sure all of you could say, yeah, I'm, I'm prone to wander from the Lord, even though I'm his. Sometimes I go off and want to do what I want to do, sin against the Lord. And it's, it's a comfort and a reminder and it's conviction to us as well. So it ministers to us. I mean, how often do you guys in your own spare time listen to praise music and are comforted by the great lyrics about God? Right? Sometimes we put on, I need to hear some worship. I need to, you know, I need to like get out of this funk that I'm in, what's going on at work or whatever the case may be. Or when you're in your car by yourself, you, you know, I want to hear worship music that ministers to me, that comforts me. But not only do we comfort ourselves when we worship, we comfort one another as well. I mean, just as we sing together as a congregation, and our brothers and sisters may be hurting, they they hear those same lyrics themselves, and they're comforted. They're encouraged about how great God is, about what God has done. It ministers to them as well. I mean, how often... I mean, how often have you sung words to other people about God's greatness, about what He's done? Right? Maybe you're praying over somebody in a group prayer and somebody breaks out in a song and it ministers to you and it ministers to that group. I know when my kids were younger and when I was putting them to bed, I would sing over them. I wouldn't do it now. They would be like, Dad, get out of my room, you freak. But when they were little, I would sing over them. I would do it now if they let me, but I won't. But um, I would sing over them and, and sing songs of worship, and they would join me when they were younger. Now they get old, and they don't want to do that kind of stuff with Dad. But, but I hope they remember those lyrics that were about God and about what God has done. I pray they will never remember. They will never forget those words. So what? Why? Sorry, I was like, I'm not gonna cry, but they're like, dude, again. What are the results of worship? We delight in God. God delights in us. God ministers to us and we minister to others. 
And finally, it's a witness to unbelievers as well. I mean, how often do people come to church and are moved by the worship songs even though they're not believers? Sometimes they like to come to church just for the worship songs. Because even in the worship songs, they get ministered to. They're comforted by the truths of God's Word, even though they themselves might not truly understand it or believe it. But prayerfully, the worship songs minister to them as they proclaim the salvific work of God. Right? They see, they see the joy of you guys and me worshiping God. They're like, hey, there's something there that I don't have. Hopefully they'll be like, what is that? Can I have that for myself? The early church was a great example of this. As a matter of fact, the second century Roman historian uh, Pliny, he testifies about, God, about um, the early church, and he says they sung hymns to Christ as to a God. Like, they were singing these songs to this guy Jesus that lived you know, a few years ago as if he was a God. It was a witness to a Roman historian as well, and he recorded that in his histories. So as we worship, the results again, not only are we, we delight in the Lord, God delights in us, God ministers to us, we minister to one another, but we are also a witness to unbelievers. So those are just a few results that I see of worship. So what should we do as, as a form of, okay, Robert, so we know what worship is, we know how we should do it, we know the benefits of it, now what? Yeah, what should we do? Well, like the psalmist says in Psalm 150, let me go back there real quick as we conclude this. He says this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary and praise Him in His mighty expanse. And I want to use that as the, the application. The application is this. Go worship the Lord in his sanctuary, meaning in his church, and in his creation, which would say in the world, in our daily lives, we should worship God in church and in our daily lives. Let us leave this morning and say what the psalmist said in 146, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 146, 1 and 2. What does he say? He says this, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Like everything, I'm just going to praise God. I love that. I'm going to praise Him while I live, and I'm going to sing praises to my God while I have my being. And I pray you guys remember this morning with all your heart that you will do that until the Lord returns. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word and for the gift of worship. What an awesome privilege to think that the creator of the universe would take delight in the worship of human beings. And not only that, you take much delight and you even minister to us and we bless you with our worship. Thank you, Lord God for this great ability and this great privilege that we have. I pray that we would leave this place this morning being excited and joyful to worship you, not only here in the church as a congregation, 
but in our daily lives, may we find time in our life to worship you on a daily basis. We thank you, Lord God, for this great privilege. Thank you for this time in your word. And we look forward to the day where we can stand before you physically and worship you in person. How awesome and even how unimaginable that is. But until that day, Lord God, may all that is within us worship you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done, for all that you do and all that you continue to do in our lives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.